Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. I'm Amin Ramashariki, Esri Urban Analytics Lead, and I'll be your host for today. In part one of our interview with Niso Moyo, Director of Business Development and Big Data at technology company Mobileye, Moyo helped us understand the autonomous vehicle industry and the disruptive technology for Mobileye powering this revolution in transportation. This week, in part two, hear Esri CMO Mariana Cantor investigate how autonomous vehicles and the data they generate will help cities become smarter and safer and give rise to entirely new industries. We pick up their conversation with Moyo explaining the five different levels of automation in autonomous vehicles. Niso, thank you for uh, talking with us. Thank you for having me. Could you explain to us the different levels of the system? Well, there are levels from zero to five. Zero is basically no automation at all. One is driving a system. It will only alert you if uh, you're too close or you're tailgating too close to the vehicle ahead of you. Level two is partial of automation, and level three is conditional automation. So I will allow the vehicle to uh, provide me a lane keep assist while I'm just uh, picking up uh, the pen that I've just dropped or, or something like that. So level four will be basically uh, uh, end of the wheel for certain amount of time and that will allow the driver to... Uh, do something else, and that technology is already available. Level five is completely autonomous, and, and possibly with no wheel in the vehicle uh, to, to steer. So uh, level five is uh, the complete autonomous level that uh, doesn't need any uh, driver in the driver's seat. And in your estimation, when will we realize level five on a broad scale? I would imagine in the next uh, five years, we will see, I don't know if it will be uh, in a level that it will be sold uh, to to passengers, but uh, the full automation processes and full automation fleets will possibly land within the first business model. It could be uh, mail delivery. It could be uh, taxis. So I'm envisioning that this kind of industry will change completely and will rethink how they utilize the vehicle to a level that is uh, level five is really needed uh, in that matter. And, and afterwards, we will probably see more passenger vehicles uh, for families uh, that will be equipped with that technology. Would you help our listeners understand at a layperson's level. How does a machine learn? Uh, We are training uh, the vehicles and we basically take the algorithms and let them watch driving scenarios that we kind of built a game uh, for them to see. So we're talking about many vehicles in a driving scenario, multiple driving scenarios. We're talking about the billions of scenarios uh, that the algorithms watch and decide how the vehicle should behave. So uh, this is really um, the most important thing once you have the sensors and the mapping, of course, but this is how to merge into traffic. It's it's a huge question. And uh, we have to provide and train the machine and make the technology mature enough so we can trust the vehicle to drive itself safely. 
safe and, and uh, avoid an accident with other vehicles. So it's really deep learning, and, and we're talking about complex deep learning technology, but we, we are also taking it to, of course, to the field and test it outside of uh, the R&D centers in order to assure that the technology is mature enough. And does each vehicle has its own machine learning algorithm, so different vehicles have different learning patterns, or is the learning happening at some aggregate level across the entire fleet, or both? It's, it's kind of both, because during the drives that uh, you and I will have in our own autonomous vehicle, uh, we are learning the environment and learning the different kinds of weather. Uh, perhaps the braking should be uh, less aggressive in particular roads. So all of that is being learned. And then, again, crowdsourced. It's been sent to the cloud, and we watch and learn the process while, while we go. So it's kind of both. And we know that even today, we're not making really the same uh, drive every day, even if it's the same route to walk. We're driving in different hours, in different kinds of weathers uh, that the autonomous vehicle will have to uh, learn, and will have to learn how to operate the vehicle uh, in each kind of this situation. Can a driver in the future choose their own profile of preference? Let's say I want to drive with an autonomous vehicle that's a little more aggressive, like a Ferrari type of driving. Will you have flavors of driving? Well, I believe that is an answer that the automakers will have to provide. Mobilize is really uh, the enabler of that technology. And I think there will be, as we have uh, different uh, type of comfort seats and, and memory inside the vehicle. So it's all about, I think in the future, it will be all about uh, our experience of driving. Personalization, um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I believe it could be customized. What other technologies enable this to become a reality? The, I will call it the IT or the infrastructure around the autonomous vehicle will have to uh, support it heavily once from the vehicle. We're talking about huge, huge amounts of data that will be uploaded to the cloud. So we're talking about smartphone driving, basically. The amount of data that we use on a daily basis on our smartphone uh, is quite small as, as in, in comparison to, to the autonomous vehicle or any vehicle that will be connected in the future because of the amount of services that we will consume and the data that needs to be uploaded uh, to the cloud. So the IT solutions and then the data centers around autonomous vehicles will have to support that, uh, that process that infrastructure and that flow of data from the vehicle to the cloud and later on to the industry. Do you ever worry that there will be too much data and that we won't be able to sift through this big data to arrive at the data that makes the difference in making this a viable product? Well, I'm not worried about too much data. I will be worried about the energy <laughs> that uh, this industry will consume in the future. And uh, um, I think that we don't know yet the possibilities to uh, use this data. So the entire industry is only collecting data now, and we're looking at 
smart analytics tools and visualization tools and prediction models that will tell us how this data could be uh, used and, and uh, how can everybody enjoy it and monetize it in the future. So we're looking at quite new industries that will be developed after that data will be collected and analyzed. Can you talk about how location intelligence as a technology helps uh, with your current offerings and the general autonomous vehicle industry? Sure. Um, the location intelligence actually helps. Let's talk about urban environments and, and beside the industries, uh, help them manage assets and manage and understand how their surrounding look like. Uh, with our offering and with uh, the cooperation with ESRI, we can make every city smarter and every fleet of vehicles uh, a lot more smarter and, and uh, have the capability right now to prepare every city to be autonomous ready. So when the autonomous vehicle will arrive, the city through location intelligence will have all the required information so I see uh, that key element play a strong role in that process. It's, it's important to, to understand now that the challenge that city has. We know that uh, most of the humanity will live in city in the next 20 years. And cities will have to change themselves. And new cities will have to rely on uh, location intelligence heavily. And not only the autonomous vehicle, but basically every mobilized sensor is helping that process and helping these cities to be, to become smarter and learn about uh, their assets, learn more about the assets, learn more about the, the, the flow of the traffic and, and uh, change the infrastructure based on the requirements. Nisa, could you tell us about Shield Plus? Shield Plus is an array of cameras that we uh, install on large vehicles. So that could be public transportation, sanitation vehicles, any large vehicle which has blind spots. So that, that technology uh, uh, allows us to alert the driver in real time. So the driver has three different displays in his cabin. So if a pedestrian or, or a cyclist is uh, in a blind spot of the driver, he will be alerted. And we know that many cities, uh, especially the large cities around U.S. and Europe, are suffering from this uh, kind of, of uh, accidents, and, and we help drivers avoid the accident with, with uh, pedestrians and cyclists. On that level, we don't stop there. We um, recall the location of the alert. And after a few days, we are capable of presenting the city or decision makers a hotspot map and, and educate them about the locations and the most dangerous locations and hours of the day to analyze and predict and hopefully avoid the next accident. Not only based on, on the real-time alert that we provide, but also provide a prediction tool and model for the city to educate new drivers and then the current fleet of drivers that is driving around the city 
and uh, as I said, avoid accidents and, and, and saving lives. Can this information be used in city planning? This information can be also used in city planning because you can see what anomalies you have. If you have a hotspot in a location that is you're revealing that it's, it's close to, uh, let's say, a subway station, and you see a lot of pedestrians, according to the recording of, of uh, the uh, alerts that we have, you can understand how to protect these pedestrians, perhaps to move the bus stop a few meters uh, ahead, uh, perhaps have a barrier in order to uh, not allow pedestrians to cross the street uh, without noticing, and um, you can understand where you need to put the next uh, uh, crosswalk. Uh, in order to help pedestrians cross where they, where they need to cross. Uh, so, yes, it really helps city planners and it helps uh, uh, safety managers uh, within the fleets of uh, uh, the public transportation. And also it makes every city uh, safer and smarter. Do you foresee that, given that the future of mobility at large is changing, that other types of mobile devices like airplanes, potentially ships, uh, trains, will utilize some of this technology in the future? Uh, yes, I think that if we're looking about uh, the, the helicopter or any other personal helicopters, so it's a mix of, of uh, a drone that could fly people from one location to the other. So I'm seeing this, the, the the important thing to understand is that the level of automation will reach out to uh, and will touch every industry and will change every industry. So I'm thinking that uh, this is the path that we are going, uh, of course, with the vehicles, but it could be in parallel that we will see other industry, uh, industries adopt the technologies and, and change completely. Thank you so much for being here with us, Niso. Thank you for having me again. Thanks for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Niso Moyo for throwing light on the disruptive influence of autonomous vehicles and the location intelligence and other technologies powering this once-in-a-lifetime transformation. To learn more about Esri's point of view on other transformative technology trends like digital transformation and the Internet of Things, visit esri.com forward slash wear and esri.com forward slash IoT. 